How many of you um, know Martin Luther King? On the fourth was what? Huh? 50 years since his assassination. Who was he? What did he stand for? Civil rights movement. What, what, do you, what do you remember him for? He fought for black rights. Yes. He was a civil rights leader, activist. Who knows how he died? He got shot. He was assassinated. Very sad, eh? And, and he was, did you know he was a, well, it's funny. You know Martin Luther King? Did you, do you guys know he was a, come on guys. Yeah, he was a pastor. Did you know that? Did you know he was a pastor? Martin Luther King? Hello? Okay. All of you over there, you are warned. I'll start, I'll start moving you. I'll start moving you if you keep disturbing. And, and, and you are also warned. No, Beverly and Cody are fine. No, you're not. Especially this role. All right, so there was a video of Martin Luther King that I came across. It's really touched by it. His last speech. Do you guys know his last speech? Yes. What was it about? No, that wasn't his last speech. His last speech. He had a speech, I think, on the on the third or on the fourth, the same day he was shot, or the following day after he was shot, he had the speech. Yes. No, not that one. This one's he said I've been to the mountain top. So let's let's listen to that one. You've watched it. Oh, it's my thing not playing. All we say to America is be true to what you're saying on paper. If I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read 
of the freedom of assembly, somewhere I read, of the freedom of speech, somewhere I read, of the freedom of press, somewhere I read, that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. So just as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around, we aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. anybody I would like to live a long life longevity has its place but I'm not concerned about that now I just want to do God's will and he has allowed me to go up to the mountain and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land I may not get there with you but I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Satisfied in the United States until that war is brought to an honorable end and American soldiers are brought back in. We will have to stand in terms to receive. Okay. Now. That was his last speech that he gave before he got shot. <laughs> Do you think he knew he was going to die? No. Yeah. Probably they threatened his life. But what strikes me, though, is the whole the whole thing about a life on a mission. You know, you can just go through this life just like everybody else. Your life won't count for anything. But if you know that you came here for a purpose, for a reason, you don't live your life like anybody else. He died a young man. He wasn't even 40 years old. He was 39. But we're still talking about him today. Just listen to that short speech. It's so moving. Right? Because he didn't fear death. And if you will really be impactful in your generation, you have to not be afraid to stand out. If you always want to just blend in, like if he was blending in, who would even hear of him? 
But if you want to stand out, you have to be bold to stand out. You know what I mean, right? And being a Christian is, is a lot like that, actually, especially in this world that we are in. Being a Christian is having the courage to be different. What's up? I was saying, let's listen, don't be distracted. Being a Christian is having the what? Having the boldness, the courage to be what? Different. To be different. You don't have that boldness, that courage. You just want to blend in. You just want your friends to accept you. Forget about Christianity. Okay? Go into the world, go have fun. If you really want to be a Christian that pleases God, be ready to be different. Look at him. They killed him. Why? Because he won't bend. They wanted him to, they were telling him to shut up. Keep quiet. Another video of his, if I had sneezed. I don't know if you've, you've seen that video. Very touching. If I had sneezed. An old woman, an old white woman, attempted killing him. That was 10 years before this. He was there and the woman walked up to him and said, are you Martin Luther King? And he said, yes, ma'am. And the woman plunged a sharp blade into his side and pushed it in and left the blade there. And so he had to be rushed. They did surgery on him and everything. And the doctor told him that during the time when they were trying to take the blade from the time that the one plugged it there and the time that they took it out, during that period, if he had just sneezed, he would die. Because it would just cut off his trachea and then he will die. And somebody goes through something like this, you would think he would sort of back down and think about, because he's married, he had four kids. Think about your family, at least, even if you don't care about yourself, care about your, your wife and your children. Most people in this world today are like that. All they care about, me, my family, my kids, that's all. That's all you want to live for? Really? No. Your life must affect other people, not just the people around you in your little, small world. Look at Jesus, the one we are following. If he was thinking about himself, we'll all not be here. I talked you through the crucifixion. You think he was thinking about himself, he'll be going through that? No way. And that's what he's called all of us to do. You must give up something for your life to make impact. And as we remember Martin Luther King, I don't want you guys to forget his legacy. His legacy is... If there's something that's right, you stand up for it. Even if it means death, you don't bow down, you don't bend, even if it means death. And that's the legacy Jesus left for us. The Bible said of Jesus that he became obedient unto his father, even to the point of death. Jesus knew the right thing to do was always to obey the father. Even if it meant death, he wouldn't bend. 
And so as we begin our series on the apocalypse, I want you to remember this, okay? It's, 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 a, it's a good introduction, really, to the apocalypse. When we mention what is going to happen in the last of days, every one of us know, can you hear me? Everybody can hear me, right? Because I like to turn this thing off. Can you hear me? Okay. So every one of us know that we are in the last days. I mean, you have to be really ignorant to not know that the world is racing to an end. Even the scientists will tell you that the world is racing to an end. Remember when we did the series on who created God and stuff? Genesis. I think it was Genesis. And one of the topics we talked about was who created God. And in that one, I remember saying that one of the discoveries the scientists made was that the world is expanding. They found out that the world is expanding. If it's expanding, then it means that it had a beginning for it to be expanding, right? If you trace it back, there should be a starting point. That the world is expanding, the scientists have discovered that it's losing energy. It's getting more chaotic. And so it's only a matter of time we're going to vanish or perish. That's how they call it. But the Bible doesn't leave us without answers. The Bible already talked about what is going to happen in the end of days. Just like the Bible had already talked to us about many things that have happened in history. Many things, even including the whole conquest of Alexander the Great. You know the Bible even talked about all of that before it happened. So, we're going to look at the apocalypse. Who knows what apocalypse means? Yes, Beverly. The rapture. And it's the transporting of believers to heaven at the coming of Christ. Second. At the second coming of Christ. Huh. Is she right? Yeah. If, if, if we're doing um, Jeopardy, the answer, the, the, do you know how the thing will beep? That means wrong. No, that's not correct. Apocalypse. End times. End times. That has to do with the end times, but it doesn't mean end times. Apocalypse. What does it mean? Zombies. No, apocalypse doesn't mean zombies. End of the world. <coughs> yes, Ernest. The complete final destruction of the world. Not really. Especially described in the biblical book of Revelation. See, that's how the world thinks. The, the thing that has the meaning of apocalypse. And when you hear of any movie or whatever apocalypse, they are talking about the end of the world. Which, 
it has almost come to take on that meaning. But the real meaning of the word apocalypse means to reveal. Right. The real meaning of apocalypse means to reveal. And that's how come the book of Revelation is called the book of the apocalypse. The book of Revelation, the other word for revelation is apocalypse. Means to reveal, to unfold, something that's hidden, something that's a mystery. You unfold it so people understand. And so for us in talking about the apocalypse, we are going to see what has God unfolded or revealed concerning the last days, concerning the end of days. Okay? Everything to do with that. Included in that is the rapture. But there is way more than the rapture. Okay? And it's important that we understand everything else that has been revealed to us in the book of Revelation. How many of us have read the book of Revelation before? You read everything. Good. Good. Did you understand it? Kinda, but were you scared? Yes. <laughs> How many you got scared? Yeah, can be scary with some of the descriptions that are in there, but each of those means something, either literally or symbolically. So today, we'll look at an overview of the end times. And then I'll see how, how long we, if we have more time, we'll talk about some more stuff. Otherwise, we'll continue next week, God willing. So the whole book of Revelation is 22 chapters, right? 22 chapters. Each of them is revealing something to us about the end times. The very first three chapters are the letters that Jesus personally asked John to write to send to the churches at the time, seven churches. So there was a letter to the church of Ephesus. There was a letter to the church of Laodicea, the church of Smyrna, the church of Pergamum, the church of Philadelphia. Which other church? Sardis. Sardis. Yeah, I mentioned Laodicea. Thyatira. Excellent. So seven churches. Jesus had personal messages for those churches. Now think about it. If you died and you rose from the dead and you found someone to send, you can send a message through the person to go and tell some people who follow you, right? Will you be telling them about some stories or some things that are not important to you? No. You'll be telling them about things that are really important to you, right? Jesus died, rose up. If you read the book of Revelation chapter 1, when he revealed himself to the apostle John, he said, I am he who was dead and now is alive forevermore. Write the things that I'm about to show you. And what are those things? It says they are the things that are happening now that will happen hereafter and that will happen to the end of the world. And then he said, for these seven churches, write these letters to them. To the church in Ephesus, he said, write to them. Tell them, I know everything they are doing. 
they're working so hard, they're serving me so well. But I also know one thing about them, that they have left their first love. They have left their first love. Let's read it. Revelation chapter 2. Someone should read from verse 1 to verse 7. <coughs> Revelation chapter 2. Are you there? Read for me. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are... These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and, and have found them false. You have, you have preserved and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consi Consider how far you will you have fallen. Repent and do things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You have the practices of the Nicolaitans, uh -huh. which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirits say to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Amen. Those are direct words from Jesus' mouth to the church in Ephesus. Imagine living where we received a letter from Jesus that says, a letter from Jesus, the one who died and rose again, to the youth church at Living Word Assembly of God. I know your hard work. I know how you always make sure you come to church every Sunday and how you make it a point to go for camps and retreats. And I know how you are doing very well. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. What is first love? Who knows? First love. First love. What? Come on, Vanessa, tell us. Your first love to your first love, right? How does that? Uh, how is that different? How is that unique? What is what is it about first love that makes it special? You don't even know, and I'm sure you haven't experienced it, but you can tell us. You've watched some movies or something, right? You don't even know, Nana. I don't know. You don't know. You guys can imagine with me when a young man falls in love with a young woman. Uh huh. But this one is not even love at first sight. This one is like they've taken their time to fall in love and planning to get married and all that. Your first love. So that's what we're trying to understand. No, no, no. So what it means by first love is, now, listen, listen. What they mean by first love is the love that existed when you first got into a relationship with that person. You know, when you first fall in love with someone, the love that is between the two of you, right, is special. It's special because the person is new in your life, kind of. After some time of living with a person for five years, 10 years, 20 years, it's almost like, uh, 
What's special about this person? There's nothing special about this person anymore, right? The kind of charm and everything at the beginning of the relationship almost vanishes after 10, 15, 20 years of being with that same person, right? So when Jesus writes to the church and tells the church, you have left your first love, what he's saying is, when you guys first came to be in a relationship with me, I knew how your love for me was like. You really loved me from the bottom of your heart and did everything you did for me out of that love. But after you've been in church, like for most of us, you've been in church five years, ten years, some of you are born into the church, grown up into the church, almost everything about church is like autopilot now. You don't really put yourself into it. You just get up and come. Right? You, your thought is not into it. Your heart is not into it. It's like you are here just because it's Sunday. So the love has died down. And that's what Jesus was concerned about. That really struck me because I think, I would think that Jesus would have been more concerned about getting the job done. But he didn't care about, the guys were really getting the job done. He didn't care about that. He said, yes, you are getting the job done, but I don't see you doing it with that same love that you were doing it with before. So, um, the letters that Jesus kind of wrote to these churches, um, when I first read it, is it exactly to those churches, or it's just like an example of all churches? Right. It's both. So, the question is, are those letters exactly to those churches, or they are sort of an example to all churches? And my answer was that it's both. So there were real churches that existed at that time that the letters were to those churches. But because the whole book is a revelation, it's an apocalypse, Jesus was also sending a message to the churches throughout history that will come and to even our present day church. (coughs) Bible historians have studied the churches that have happened from the time of Jesus' resurrection till now. And for each of these seven churches, they can find a church period which applies to one of them. And then in our existence right now today, even in, this, in just this youth church alone, every one of us is playing the role of one of those seven churches. I don't know which one you are, but I hope you are in the church of Philadelphia. Because that was the only church that Jesus didn't have anything bad to say about them. Everything he said about them was good. That's the church of Philadelphia. Yes. No, none of them exist in reality now. Okay. Now, there's one last thing I want to point out to you from the letters that Jesus wrote to those churches. And then we'll move on. Let's read um, Revelation chapter 3. Let's read from verse 1. Yes, Zoni. To the angel of the church in Sardis, mm-hmm. write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will... Come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet, sh- yet you have a few people in Sardis who, who have not soiled their clothes. 
They will walk with me dressed, dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of a person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that the name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Amen. Very, very alarming statements he makes. One, the church in Sardis says you have a name that you live, but you are dead. In other words, people know you to be a Christian. They see you, they know you to be a Christian, but in reality you are not. You have a name, you have a reputation to be alive, but you are dead. Right? So in other words, what he's saying, what people know you to be is not what you really are. And Jesus was telling the church that I know this. And then he tells them, repent, otherwise I will blot out your name from the book of life. Which is another alarming statement because he thought that once he writes your name in the book of life, it's there. But he's saying here that he actually can erase your name from the book if you don't repent. Do you get it? So it's possible for some people's names to be in the book of life, but when they fall back, their names are erased from the book of life. That's what he's saying here. Yes, Beverly. I mean, Michaela. When you say fall back, it's not like one sin can erase your name from the book of life, right? Okay, no. When I say fall back, I don't mean so you just sin once and then your name is erased. No. Here, what he's talking about is a lifestyle. Saying you have a name that you live, but you are dead. In other words, they were living a lie. Everybody thinks of them as the youth pastor. He's a Christian. He knows the Lord and everything. Meanwhile, when I go home, I'm beating my wife. God forbid, Tofiakwa. <laughs> I'm beating my wife and I have some girlfriend somewhere that I've been messaging and testing, God forbid. <laughs> and nobody knows, you know? Nobody knows. When I come here, I'm talking to you guys about the apocalypse. You're thinking, oh, yeah, he's, uh, he really knows the Bible. He's very spiritual, whatever. And Jesus is looking at me and telling me, you, you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Everybody thinks you're a Christian, but you are not. If you don't change your lifestyle, I'm going to erase your name from the book of life. You get it? So you have to constantly be working on your Christian faith. Constantly. Paul said it in a very nice way. He said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Don't just take it for granted that, oh, because I'm a Christian, I come to church every time, whatever. No, you have to be actively working on your Christian faith so that you don't lose it. Amen? Let's read one last um, letter. I said this was the last one, but let's read one last one. Verse 14, chapter 3, verse 14. Sonny. Verse 14. Read from verse 14. So the church in Laodicea. Yeah. The angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words <coughs> of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth. Do not need a thing. 
but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I console you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear, so you can overcome your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes, so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. So here I am. I turn to the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To one who is victorious, I to receive power and wealth, wisdom and strength, and honor and glory and praise. Amen. I think you jumped two pages. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you jumped two pages. Um, to the one who is victorious, I will. Victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Amen. Now, what is he saying to the church in Laodicea? He says that you are neither cold nor hot. You are lukewarm. And he said that, I wish you were either cold or hot, but because you are lukewarm, I am going to do what? Vomit you out of my mouth. Right? What does it mean if Jesus vomits you out of his mouth? You are lost. You are no longer in Christ. Right? <laughs> if, if he vomits you, you are no longer in him. So you are lost. You are hell bound. Straight. <laughs> Yes, Beverly. You say that when you're lukewarm, you're lost, or that, does that mean, like, for example, um, like, you come to church on Sunday and, like, you're praising God, but you go to, like, wherever you are on Monday and the rest of the week, what you're doing Friday? Yeah. Wouldn't that be more like the other church, though? Um, uh huh, kind of. Still. So you're still lukewarm. Yeah. It's going to be a mixture of, of, of different ones. Yeah, but the point is, um, Beverly, the point is that anytime you are not all out for Jesus, if you are not like 100% for Christ, you are playing around hell's hole. You, it's just a matter of the devil kicking you like that and you are inside the fire. <laughs> yeah. You, you, are, you are at high risk if you are not Fully for Jesus. Remember what Jesus said? The one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of me. To even just look back. It's not like you've gone back, but you're just looking back. Which means that I am in Jesus, but I am still desiring. I, I still want the things in the world. I still love the things in the world. Even though I'm, I don't have the courage to go there and do the stuff with them, I still love those things. And I, I, don't, I don't like to be in church. I don't like, like, your heart is with them. Jesus says that when you are like that, you are not worthy to even come and follow him. And that is why every day, the Apostle Paul, every day in his Christian walk, he made it a point to pray to God to help him to die to his desires in the world, his passions in the world. He's praying, God, don't let me have these desires. Let my desires be for you. Amen? Now, just to conclude on these letters, the point I wanted to highlight was that Jesus, in this whole thing about the apocalypse, he was revealing something that was dear to his heart. Okay? 
it's very dear to his heart. And he actually pronounced a blessing on anybody who will read the book of Revelation. Generally, you are blessed if you read the Bible. But there is a specific blessing from Jesus for anyone who spends time to read the book of Revelation. And try to, you go through the pain to understand what he's communicating in the book of Revelation. Jesus himself said, that person will be blessed. Amen. So I challenge all of you, as we go through this series, if you haven't read the book of Revelation, pick it up, read it. 22 chapters, just, tw just 22. Read through it. You can, if you have the audio Bible, whatever, put it on audio Bible, put it down, and listen. Listen to the different versions, not just King James. Listen to Good News Bible, some other version. New Living Translation is a good version. And play it over and over again. Try to understand it. You will be blessed, I'm telling you. You will be blessed. Amen. So let's move on. So, any question? So 22 chapters, from chapter 1 to 7, it deals with the church age and the events leading to the tribulation. Okay? And then from chapters 8 to 18, it's talking about what the Bible calls tribulation. Or... Uh, in Jeremiah, in the book of Jeremiah, it mentions it as Jacob's trouble. Uh, Jacob is another name for Israel. So it's a time of trouble for the nation of Israel. And then in Revelation 19 and 20, it talks about the second coming of Jesus, which will usher in the millennium, which is 1,000 year reign. We'll come back to all these, so I'll talk about them in detail when they come. We'll usher in 1,000 year reign, where we'll reign with Christ on earth. And then in Revelation 21 and 22, it talks about eternity, which is when God will forever come and dwell with us and will forever be with the Lord for eternity. Okay? So that's a general overview. Now, in talking about the tribulation period, there are 21 events that actually will happen during that time. And each of those are ushered in by seals, trumpets, and bowls. So if you read the book of Revelation, it talks about the seven seals, and then it talks about the seven trumpets, and then it talks about the seven bowls. Okay? Are you confused? Or we can move on. Yes, Anel? What type of seals? What type of seals? So it's um, just like a seal on a letter, you know? Not like the animal seal, but a seal on a letter that um, just to close the letter. So we would see one of the first things in, in the apocalypse was that they were trying to find someone who is worthy to open up the seals. Right? God had written out his judgments in a scroll, and the scroll was sealed with seven seals. And it's not just anybody who can open those seals. You have to be worthy. The only one who was found worthy was Jesus Christ because he had died as the Lamb of God and shed his blood to save us from that judgment. 
that were going to be released on the earth. Okay? So Jesus was found worthy to open the seven seals, and as he opens each one of them, an event happens on the earth. As he opens each one, something happens on the earth. So we'll go through each of them. And it's the same with the trumpets. There are seven trumpets that some seven angels will be blowing. And with each trumpet that is blown, there is a judgment of God that is released on the earth. Yes. So the seven seals, wait, and you said that um, it's like in this judgment book thing, does everyone have their own, like seven seals? Oh, uh, oh no, no, no. It's for the whole world. It's not like for each individual. It's for the whole world. Good question. Yes, Nathan. <coughs> no. So the severity increases. The seven seals are the least severe ones. Then it increases to the seven trumpets. And the seven bowls are the worst. So it increases with each one. Yes. Um, so, um, like, th does the rapture happen at the end of Aha, like uh -huh. so does the rapture happen? When does the rapture happen in this? We'll talk about that. Um, the rapture happens somewhere. If they are open or closed, what does that mean? Oh, if, if the events have happened, no, no, they haven't happened. And we'll look, there's a scripture even that tells that. So this ha none of this has started yet. Okay? None of this has started yet. Now, if you go on the internet, some people try to connect some things and try to say that some of the seals have already been opened and all of that. Don't believe any of those. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, like, when you say the rapture is coming soon, do you mean, like, soon, soon, or, like, soon, <laughs> soon, 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 can we move on, guys? So, the seven seals happens for three and a half years during the tribulation. And the trumpets, uh, the trumpets and the bowls happen during the other three and a half years. Revelation 11 and 13 talks about events that will happen mid-trib, in the middle of the tribulation. And one, the key event that's happening mid-trib is the um, full manifestation of the Antichrist as Antichrist. I will explain that as we go on. That's what the Bible calls the abomination of desolation. Okay? So, remember, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. Okay, and they increase in severity as we go on. Just as an overview, um, you'd see the rapture of the church. So we'll talk more into detail about the rapture of the church, okay? But there are four views of the rapture of the church. 
what we believe is that the church will be raptured before all of these judgments happen. Okay? Jesus, they're all gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna yeah. <laughs> but but wait, 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 because guys, listen. When I study the Bible, are you are you listening? When I study the Bible, I don't care what other people are saying. I want to see for myself what the Bible is saying, because when I stand before God, I won't be standing there with Pastor Isaac. You think Pastor Isaac will be there to try to speak for me? No, it's between me and God. So I want to see for myself what the Bible says. So that some people believe that the rapture will happen before all this happens. Yeah, it's great and all that. You have to discover it for yourself. Because they could have believed a lie. So you have to find it for yourself and give yourself that assurance. Are you getting me? And that's what we'll be doing during this series. I'm going to show you the scriptures, why some people believe that the rapture will happen um, before the trumpets, why some believe that the rapture will happen in the middle of the tribulation, why others believe the rapture will happen after, at the end of the tribulation. And all these people are Christians. They are not Muslims. They are Christians who also read the Bible. And they are using the scriptures. And based on what they are reading... They are saying, we think that the rapture will happen here. This other one says here. This other one says here. A greater number of people believe it will happen before. So I want us to look at the scriptures ourselves critically and make a decision for ourselves. Do you get it? Because nobody has, nobody has a personal claim to the truth. Do you get what I mean? It's either true or it's not true. And in the end, I want to be prepared for whatever. Okay, whose hand was up? Okay. You don't want to be here for the seals. No, I was reading. I think I was reading the Bible, and I don't know what part it was, but it said something like I thought the seal was what like covered you, so like to know that like oh, no one can touch you. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, we'll talk about that. No, that's not those. That's not those. These are the seals of judgment. The other ones was different. We'll talk about that. Any other question? Chris, you had your hand up. Um, uh, what happens if you're like a newborn? Are you still going to heaven? Uh-huh. What happens if you're a newborn? Yes, all babies, all babies already have their tickets to heaven. Yeah, they're all going to be raptured. They're all going to be raptured. Okay. Now, let's move on. So... You got the picture here, right? Now, the seven seals. This is just an overview. We're going to talk about each one of them. But the first seal releases the white horse, which represents deception. The second seal releases the red horse, who, who would bring war. The third seal, black horse, who would also bring famine. The fourth seal, the fourth seal, pale horse, who, which will bring pestilence or tribulation, uh, I mean, diseases and sickness, and a quarter of the world will die. The fifth seal is martyrdom and great tribulation. This is where a lot of believers 
will be persecuted and killed for their faith. And the sixth seal brings in some heavenly signs which um, brings in what the Bible calls a great multitude before heaven. And that is one of the um, scriptures, those who believe that the rapture will happen during the tribulation. That's one of the scriptures they use. Okay? So, that happens. There's silence in heaven before the seventh seal is released. Because you would see when we get to the trumpets next week that up until this time, what the people who believe the rapture won't happen before, what they believe is up until this time, God's wrath has not actually begun. All this is the wrath they call the wrath of Satan or the wrath of man. And that God's wrath actually begins from the trumpets, which is when it gets even worse. And that is when we will be taken out. That's what they believe. Okay, we'll look at it. I'll go through the scriptures with you guys and then we'll think through it. Yes, um, Anel and then Maxine. Okay, so you said that the rapture is going to happen before this, right? Um, yes, there's a great... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. So how can one fourth of mankind die if some of them have already been raptured? No, 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 not like you're on earth, so the rapture's already happening. I thought you can't die. Yeah. Oh, you mean uh, if the rapture had happened, those who are who are remaining that they can't die? Yeah. Oh no, some people will die. How? You can die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> After the rapture, after the rapture, the people will be left, they still die. Some people will still be born. Some people will still die. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, wait. Uh, Maxine, you, wanna, you had a question? No, babies go. Yeah, no, but you just said some people will still be born during the rapture. So if you're born during that time, you have to stay during the tribulation. You can't, you don't, like God won't take you from the womb and go to heaven. Mm -hmm. So, uh, okay, we'll talk about it. The rapture happens. The rapture happens. Those who are going into the, who are being taken will be taken. Those who will be left will be left. They'll go through life as usual. There will be childbirth. There will be death. There will be sickness. There are those who will be killed for their faith by the Antichrist. They will die. That's how come they will, that's how come they will be killed. Right? And so all those things happen. Even after the rapture. So whenever the rapture is, whether it's in the middle, whether it's at the beginning, wherever it is, when it happens after it, people will still die. And those who die as believers will go to heaven and those who die as non-believers are going to hell. We'll talk about that actually. Yes, Belinda. But isn't it kind of unfair for like, you know, the people who are born because if the Antichrist is already on earth, then that means they have no chance of accepting God. Right. So wow. when talking of being unfair, there's nothing like being unfair in the things of God. Right? Because fairness is subjective. 
You're saying unfair because you're only looking at it from the perspective of the baby, of the child. But the world is bigger than the child's world. Do you get it? There are many more things at play than what your preference is or what my preference is. In the grand scheme of things, what's important is not what makes me feel good, but what brings glory to God. Do you get it? Aha. Uh -huh. So we don't see well when we put on the lens of fairness. What we should rather put on is how does God get glory out of all of this? And you will see it when, when the whole thing plays out before you at the end. In fact, the Bible even says it. Even those who will end up being thrown into hell, they will praise God for his judgment, for his justice. They would, they would acknowledge that he's indeed a just God. Right? Because God, just like now, you could have gone to kill somebody and the police was right there and witnessed it. They won't just take you and put you in prison. They will still give you a trial. Right? So God doesn't just take people and throw them into hell. No. He gives them a trial. He gives them. He sits there and then you come. And then he shows you what you've done. And then you, nah, you say, throw me into hell. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can we move on? Okay, Irina, and then I'll come back. That, when does the final judgment happen? We'll talk about it. It doesn't happen right after the seven years. It happens after the 1,000 year reign. Yes. So after they're thrown into hell, God sits there at his throne and then they walk up in the screen and that's when God he judges them. Either you go as, part of, yeah, as part of this series, we'll be talking about the final judgment. Okay, so when we talk about it, you would see it. Okay? Yes, Emmanuel. It's just you by yourself. Wait. Yeah. The only people are not there. That, that, as to whether other people will see the stuff that is happening, I mean, I'm not sure, but there's reason to believe that it will not be private like just you yourself. There's reason to believe that, but the Bible is not really clear on that. Because the reason is, in eternity, in heaven, there's nothing that's secret anymore. Even your thoughts, I know what you are thinking in heaven. Yeah. There's nothing that's secret anymore. And so, that's what leads people to believe, that everybody will see when you are being judged. But, the Bible doesn't say specifically. Guys, we got to move on. Okay, doctor. And also, guys, also to add to what Pastor Cyril is saying about it not being private, Jesus also said that I will confess your name before the angels and my Father, which means that whether it's <coughs> your being or whether it is living word members, the bottom line is that it will not be private. If you are judged to go to heaven, there are people or celestial beings there that will witness it. And if you are just to go to hell, there are people in celestial beings there that will also witness it. What are celestial beings? Celestial beings are things like angels. Heavenly beings. And the, and the 24 elders and the worshippers and you know, 
Oh, oh. <laughs> people like that. So that the bottom line is that it will not be private. It's not just you and God, Mark of Rye, no. <laughs> okay. All right, let's move on. We will talk about the trumpets and the bowls when we get there. Let's start with the seven seals. So the first seal that will be opened by the Lamb of God in Revelation chapter 6, when the first seal is opened, a rider on a white horse is seen. <coughs> and the rider on the white horse has a bow. You notice that he has no arrow. He just has a bow. And then he has a crown. The Bible says, and a crown was given to him. So he has a crown on his head. And then he goes out into the world. Now, what is believed is that this rider on the white horse presents himself as a peaceful man. When you read, we'll read the scripture in Revelation. It says he goes out to conquer. He comes out as a peaceful man, a white horse, with a bow, no arrow. He's not coming to fight, but actually he's coming to with deception, conquer people. That's the first seal. So let's try to understand what did Jesus really say about this person. Nana, read for me. Now I watched when the man opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he came out conquering to the conqueror. Yeah, conquering and to conquer. Okay. Yes, Beverly. He comes to um um wait, you said deception? Mm -hmm. That means like kind of to deceive someone? Yes. So like so, so you said he's a conqueror, so like he makes you think that he's like that, but like but he's of he's of God, right? Like, no, he's not of God. So why is he coming So when he turns around he can cut. So he's not he's not of God. Remember See, that's one of the things you should see in the Bible, and in the, especially in the book of Revelation. God sits as ultimate ruler of the whole world. There's nothing that happens that is like he's surprised. No. And there's nothing that the devil can do if God, doesn't, if God says no, you can't do it. The devil can't do anything. Right? So anything that the devil does, he actually gets permission from God before he can do it. Even to any of us. The devil can't, like right now, Kivon is listening to me nicely. The devil, can't, the devil can't slap him if he doesn't get permission from God. He can't. He just can't. Do you get it? The devil can't take one hair on your head if you go to the barber shop and they cut your hair and it falls down. If the devil can't take one of the head that has fallen down without asking God for permission. Do you, do you get it? Why does the devil need permission to do stuff? Because, okay, so how come God gives the devil permission to do stuff? Because God has given human beings the will to choose. Okay? So when people out of their will choose the devil, the devil goes to God and then says, 
Oh, yeah, you heard what this guy was saying down there. He was rooting for me. He's giving me access to him. You have to let me go there. And God, what will God say? Because the human being whom God gave choice to has chosen that. And so the devil knows that. He goes to God and asks for that. And that the Lord has to let him do it because he's a just God. Right? He has to respect your choice. He doesn't want to make us robots. If, if you say, as you're sitting here, I want to drink beer, even though God knows he's going to destroy you, he will not say, I'm not giving beer. If he does that, he's not letting you have free will. Right? So the devil hears that and goes to God. You see what he said? Yeah, you have to let me go and let him have fun. And the devil is giving permission. He comes and takes the guy away and the guy becomes some wayward person. Are you following? So it's all because of choices. It's all because of free will. And people will go to hell because they choose to. Not because God put them there. People choose to go there. Okay? Now, in this scripture that we read in Revelation, Jesus talked about the same thing in Matthew chapter 24. And as we look at the scripture in Revelation, I will show you the scripture in Matthew 24. And I want you to compare it, okay? So the disciples came to Jesus and were asking Jesus, can you tell us what will be the sign of the coming, the end of the days? Okay, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of days? And Jesus' first statement, remember we just looked at the first seal and it was what? The rider on the white horse. Jesus' first statement was what? Michaela, read for me. Okay, that was the very first thing, very first sign that Jesus gave to his disciples. And we see in Revelation, the first seal is who? A rider on a white horse. Deception. And Jesus' first sign is that, be careful that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name saying I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray or they will deceive many. So what is believed is that this rider on the white horse is one, it's presenting two things. One is actually the Antichrist, but nobody will know him as the Antichrist. In fact, if you, oh, the only ones who will know him, that is if the rapture doesn't happen before the, before this seals. Oh, no, 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 no. Guys, okay, wait. You have to, you have to, if you are doing Bible studies, you have to have an open mind. You can't, you can't take a position and then try to read the Bible. You have to have an open mind to try to understand all perspectives. Okay? And so when I say if the rapture happens, if the rapture hasn't happened, doesn't mean I don't believe the rapture will not happen. I'm just saying some of the people that believe the rapture hasn't, will happen after this. Right? Okay. Yeah, we're taking communion yet. Some of those who believe will happen after this believe that this rider on the white horse will actually be the Antichrist. So he's not a good person? Okay. The Antichrist is not a good person. He's a person who is against 
everything Christian. But when he comes on the scene, he doesn't present himself as such. He presents himself as a man of peace. So everybody in the world, they are going to believe him. He is going to bring peace in the whole world. Everything is going to get better. We are all going to get on a one world government, one world currency. And this man is going to be the leader of a whole world. And everybody is going to like him. He's going to do good things. Right? And that is the deception. So people believe him. But in the middle of the tribulation, as we'll see, he's going to then really rise up as the Antichrist because the devil will possess him. So he's a human being. He's just a normal human being like everybody else. But in the middle of the tribulation, Satan will possess him and he becomes the Antichrist. Do you get it? Okay. Irina? Yeah, so this is saying that many will come in my name saying I am the Christ. And what Bible theologians have done is they are comparing in Matthew 24, Jesus talks about the events of the end times and he talks about them in a particular order. And Bible theologians have compared that order with the order of the seals. And they see that they all line up amazingly. Amazingly. Okay, and so the first seal, the rider on the white horse, lines up with this one. Okay. Okay, Nathan. Like, could the Antichrist be like anyone like that didn't make it like, during the rapture, or is it someone like specifically chosen by God? <laughs> the Antichrist will be a human being. It will not be someone who is a Christian at all. Right? Um, yeah, that's all I can say. Let's move on. We'll come back to the questions because it's almost time. Guys, we didn't even go through half of the stuff today. Oh, man. But you should, maybe your question will be addressed in the stuff. Okay, let's move on. So, that's the first seal. The second seal is the... The second seal... Are you listening? Quiet. Thanks, Michaela. The, the, the second seal releases the rider on the red horse and he has a sword in his hand and he goes once he's released the bible says there are wars that happen let's read the scripture joshua read for me joshua tano can you read can you see when he opened the second seal i heard the second living creature say come and out came another horse right red its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth that people should slay one another. He was given a great sword. Amen. So he was given a great sword and he was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay 
one another. Now listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 24 when he was also talking about the end. Um, Maxine, read for me. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the, but the end is not yet. For nations will rise against nations and kingdom against kingdom. Does that sound like the rider on the red horse? So, the question is, could this, the question is, could this be happening right now? Now, when you, when we get into it, you'll see Jesus talking, are you listening? We'll see Jesus talking about, this is the beginning of sorrows. Now, some of these things may be happening now, but it is not the ones that are going to happen as a result of the seals. The ones that will happen as a result of the seals those are clearly going to happen, one, for those of us that believe that the rapture is going to happen before these things start, those, these things are going to happen after we have been raptured. Okay? And once we are raptured, the Antichrist comes on the scene as a rider on the white horse, like a, a world leader who is supposedly bringing peace. Okay? And when that happens, this is the next one that is going to happen. Okay, Zoni. So, like, if he's going to, like, unite everybody, how is the war going to happen? How is the war going to happen? Right. So not everyone will immediately subscribe to the Antichrist. <laughs> subscribe, right. <laughs> not everyone will immediately um, follow him. And he's going to force people, right? And that's where wars will come in. Some kingdoms that will not want to come into the domain of the Antichrist, he's going to fight against them. And some Bible scholars actually even believe as big as whole nations will be attacked by the Antichrist and just wipe them off with a nuclear um, bomb to wipe out a whole nation. Okay, let's move on. Our time is going. The third seal releases a rider on a black horse. And he's carrying scales or balances. You know, in the, in the days of the Bible, they used the scales to weigh out stuff, so food. If you're going to buy rice, they'll weigh out. You want one can of rice or two cans of rice, so they'll weigh it on a scale. So the rider on the, on the black horse, he's having scales in his hand. And it's because what he brings with him is farming. There's going to be scarcity of food. Scarcity. So much that it doesn't matter if you have money or not. There's no food. And you think about it. It's the natural consequence of war. Whenever there is war, the next thing that follows is farming. Because the factories that produce the food are all going to be destroyed. The people that are working in the factories are all going to be killed. So food becomes shorted. There's a shortage of food. Um, Chris, can you read for me? When he opened the third seal, I heard that there was a new creature saying, Come, and I looked and behold a black horse. And its rider had a pair of <coughs> in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the... My, the mid, midst of four living creatures say a quarter of wheat 
for a denarius. And three quarts of barley for a denarius. And wine. So what that is, the quart of wheat for a denarius. A denarius is actually a day's wages. So right now, what's the minimum wage? 13.50. Let's say $14. And to work a day is eight hours, right? So 14 times eight hours. How much money will you make in a day? Um, what? 80 plus 32, 80 plus 32 will be what? 112. So about 112 of, of, of money for working one day right now. So he's saying that a quart of wheat, which is let's say one bag of wheat, is going to be $112. You just imagine going to buy rice, at the grocery store, you know how they package the rice, the small bag of rice, and it's $112 to buy. Wow. Sorry? That's a lot of it. That's what? I don't hear you. That's expensive? Yes, of course. That's, how, that's, the, that's the consequence of farming. <coughs> yes, Chris. Right, no, this is just to give you an idea that everything is going to be expensive because food is going to be, there's going to be a shortage of food. There's going to be famine, okay? The next, in Matthew 24, when Jesus was also talking about the signs of the end, what did he talk about? Um, Nathan, read for me. Right, so you see that Jesus also, when he talked about the false Christ coming, and then he talked about wars and rumors of wars, the next thing he talked about was famines happening, which sort of is in line with the third seal that was open. Yes, Nathan? Not to harm the oil and the wine. Uh, it's not very clear why he says that, but what what is deduced from it is it's food in particular that is going to be on shortage, right? Oil and wine have to do with, so right now in our world now, oil is used for the petroleum, the gas, whatever. Some nations control the oil and the wine also has to do with something that people take for fun. So it's almost like there's going to be a specific um, shortage of essential food that people need to live on, right? Essential food, not other stuff that is not essential, but food that is essential to survive is what is going to be on shortage. Are you, are you following? Okay. Yes, Belinda. Right. What Jesus said was of that day and hour knows no man. Right? The day and the hour. So if, for instance, the, the rapture is supposed to happen on Tuesday this week at, at 11 a.m. 
what Jesus is saying, what Jesus is saying of that day, Tuesday, and hour, 11 a.m., nobody knows. But he is giving them signs so that when we are around Tuesday, we will know that we are close to when the rapture is going to happen. Do you get it? He's giving them signs for them to be able to tell that the season we are in, the rapture can happen at any time. Let's move on quickly so we can do our communion. The fourth seal is the rider on the pale horse. And he's the rider who is described as carrying death and Hades is following after him. Hades or hell. So he's going forth with death and hell is following behind him. Okay? Try and understand it. Death is different from hell. Okay? Death and hell are not the same thing. The rider on the horse is going forth with death to kill people and he also has hell behind him. So it's two, it, looks, it looks like two different groups of people he's going to kill. One are those who will just want death, who hell has no power over them, or those who will die and end up in hell. Do you get it? So he's going forth with death and hell is behind him. Let's see what the scripture says. Let's see the scripture and we will understand it. Irina, read for us. And Matthew, um, Jesus talked about something that is related to this. Lauren, shall read for me. Princess. Amen. So, when, when you connect these two scriptures, this rider on the pale horse is going forth to kill a fourth part of the earth with the sword and with hunger. And then it talks about with the beasts of the earth. What are those beasts of the earth? If you read the book of Revelation, it describes a beast that comes out of the earth and a beast that comes out of the sea, right? And those beasts are the false prophet and then the Antichrist. Okay? We will talk more about the false prophet and the Antichrist in the coming weeks. But essentially what this rider on the pale horse is going to bring is that at that time, 
there would have been a full-blown manifestation of the Antichrist and his accomplice, who is the false prophet. The false prophet is going to be a religious leader, right, who is going to give in their support to the Antichrist. And the two of them are going to band together to persecute the whole world. The whole world being everyone who doesn't want to submit to the Antichrist. Okay, so including those who will not have been raptured, who will remain on the earth, and those who have remained, the ones who don't want to submit to the Antichrist, they are going to come under persecution, strong persecution. You'll have to die. Now, there are those who may not even believe in Jesus, but still will not want to submit to the Antichrist. He's still going to kill them anyways. Now, such people, when they die, they're going to hell because they have not believed in Jesus. Yes, they're going to die and they will make it to heaven if they died because they did not want to worship the Antichrist. Oh, okay, so they're going to make it to the earth. So that's good. Mm -hmm. Is that good, right? So if you die, like, but why didn't they um, go to heaven? Because they're not ready. They're not ready when the rapture happens. Only those who are ready. Jesus said, we'll look at that scripture too. Jesus said, Be ye ready also. For you do not know when the Son of Man is coming lest that day come upon you unawares. So what he's saying is, if you are not ready, you will not be taken. You have to be ready. To be ready means any moment, any moment of time, you should be in right standing with God. You do anything wrong, the Holy Spirit convicts you, don't put it off right there as a forgiveness. Do you, do you get it? That is, that is being in right standing with God. The Holy Spirit will be, is your friend. So he will, be, he will be in constant communication with you. He makes, when you do something wrong, right now you insult mom or dad. The Holy, you go to your room, the Holy Spirit pricks your heart, you know, tells you, you shouldn't have done that. That's not right. You go and apologize. Do you get it? But if you keep ignoring the Holy Spirit, ignoring him, ignoring him, now you no longer hear his voice anymore. Yes, Irina. The riders are not, the, the riders are symbolic. These ones are symbolic. It's not like you see them. It's symbolic, okay? Those are all symbolic. Okay? Beverly, read this scripture. Let's listen. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through 
Amen. Now, what I want you to notice is, and we don't have time. I thought we'll have time to talk about it today because towards the end, I was going to talk to you guys about the rapture. And we're going to look at from the scripture when the rapture would actually happen. But you've asked too many questions. We won't get to it. So we will talk about that next week. Right, right. So that's a good idea. What we're going to do, I'll just shoot through all these stuff. You write down your questions. We'll pick one Sunday after the series, and we'll just be question and answers. Okay, so reserve all your questions till the end of the series, or maybe halfway through the series and then at the end. Okay, fair? So next week, no questions. I'll just go through it. Okay, okay. No, no, that's not how you teach. If, if, your, if your teacher in school only taught you when they come to school and say, hey, ask me questions about chemistry, so I will teach you. Okay, so okay, so I get you now. So what we'll do is we will reserve time for each session, maybe 15 minutes at the end. Or oh, 15 minutes is too short. It's fine, it's fine. It's fine. And then, but what, what I'll do is everyone, if you have a question, you write it down, okay? Even if we don't answer it in that 15 minutes, I will still have those questions and I'll make sure I'll answer them when I'm talking about them, okay? Now, um, in this one, in the fourth seal, you'd see that people rise up against others and they deliver them to be killed. One of the, people, one, one of the groups that believe that the rapture will happen during the tribulation, this is one of the scriptures that they hang on to. That Jesus is saying, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Right? And so who is Jesus talking about if we have already been raptured? And that's what they say. And for those of us that believe that the rapture will happen before all this happens, one way this scripture is explained is that when Jesus was talking here, he was referring to the nation of Israel, not to all Christians. So Israel will be left behind because they don't believe in Jesus right now. Okay? Jews who don't believe in Jesus, they are all going to go through the tribulation. And in here, Jesus was talking to them, telling them that they will be persecuted during that time. There are many more scriptures, but I'm going to just stop here. I'll stop here. I'll pick it up on the fifth seal next week. Okay? You have a question, Tyler? Okay. Yeah, Tyler, ask your question. Yeah, what about the mark of the beast? We'll talk about that one. 
want to stop when they're, if we don't make it during the rap, we're going to forget all this. That we're going to And we're not going to. Sorry? So, like, we're, are we, you see, what, if we don't make it for the rap, are we going to forget, like, all the videos and the horses and stuff? The stuff that I'm teaching you? Oh, no, you remember. Yeah, you remember. You'll forget. You remember. Which is why you have to make sure you don't miss the rapture. Yes. Help me this week. Will the person on the horse say that he's actually Christ? Um, Jesus' word said, many people will come in my name saying I am the Christ. Okay. So what he's saying is, see, first of all, remember, those riders on the horses are not literal people who ride horses. Those are just symbolic. But what he's saying is, you want to help me distribute this? Okay, let everyone take one. What he's saying is that the rider on the horse represents someone <coughs> excuse me represents are you are you listening Anel are you listening okay <laughs> no 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 that's fine that's fine <laughs> What was I saying, actually? Uh huh. Guys, you're disturbing. Uh huh. Uh huh. Will he actually say that he's Christ, or will people think? So the question is, well. Whoever is represented by the rider on the white horse actually claim to be Christ, or people will actually just think that he's the Christ. Good question. I, I think, based on, based on the things I've read, I don't think... You didn't get one? Oh. All of you didn't get? Did you get some? Did you get one? Did you get one? Hey. So I don't have enough. Okay, you come. Go to um, Lillian's mom and get some, okay? <coughs> Guys, are you listening? Hey! So, it will, I don't believe that he will come out to say I'm the Christ, but he will be thought of as somebody who is as important as Jesus Christ was, as significant as Jesus Christ was, a world changer, somebody who's going to really bring a revolution in the whole world, like he's a man of peace, like Jesus is seen as a prince of peace, like he's going to be viewed in that sense. That's what I, I believe. Belinda? So you see how you said that um, the people who will be hated for mining 
sick will be the Israelites. Does that mean that no Israelites are going to get raptured, but all of them are going to end up going to heaven? Uh-huh. Not all of them are going to end up going to heaven. And not um, the, the Israelites or Jews who believe in Jesus right now will be raptured. Right? If they believe in Jesus now, before the rapture happens, they will be raptured. It's those Jews who don't believe in Jesus who will be left. So all of them that believe in Jesus will eventually end up going to heaven? So all of them that don't believe in Jesus afterwards, they're going to go to heaven? No, not, not necessarily. It's only those Jews who will be left behind who will not worship the Antichrist. But those Jews who go for the mark of the beast, they will go to hell. Do you get it? Yeah. Quiet! Guys! Mm -hmm. Like, you know how the Jews, they don't see Jesus as the Messiah? Right. Messiah, right. Would like some of them see the Antichrist as? Right. Good point. So, <coughs> the reason why the Antichrist will, when he comes on the scene, he will succeed to deceive people, is that the Jews are still expecting their Messiah. Remember? And so, when he comes on the scene, they will actually think that he is their Messiah, because he's going to bring peace to Israel. He's going to um, make peace in the Middle East and actually sign on. You're disturbing. Hello. We'll look at that, Zoni. We'll look into that next week where we'll see that the Antichrist will confirm a seven-year treaty with Israel, peace treaty with Israel, and so the Israelites are actually going to think of him as their Messiah and, and believe in him, which is why he's the false Christ, right? But then in the midway, midway through that um, covenant, he's going to turn against Israel. And then all of a sudden they'll have that insight that he's deceived them. He's not the, he's not the Christ, that Jesus was the Christ, Okay. All right, let's have our communion. We will pick it up next week, okay? Let's be on our feet. Now, remember what I told you. Don't treat the communion lightly, okay? Thank you. Good, good. Who else didn't get? Thanks. Now, don't take it lightly, okay? Somebody pay the price for what you are holding. Now, the wafer representing the body of Jesus. Let's take it out. <coughs> this is his body that was broken for us. I showed you how his body was bruised and beaten. They hurt his body because of our sins. Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. Let's partake of the bread. The wine represents his blood that was shed for us. They pierced his side blood and water came out. 
He poured out his blood for us to wash away our sins. Let's partake of the wine as we remember his death for us. Now I want you to close your eyes and just thank Jesus that he has made it possible for you to be a child of God. Close your eyes, please. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Thank God for Jesus. Close your eyes. Thank him for dying for you. Thank him that you have become a child of God. And if you are sick, just thank him for your healing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your blood that was shed for us, your body that was broken for us. As we are partaking of this, unite us in you, Lord. Give us that assurance that we belong to you. Remove every fear from our hearts, knowing that you have promised to be with us even unto the end of the age. I pray that your hand of protection will rest upon every one of us in this room. Keep us by your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we take our seats?